Hello and welcome to Nerd Subculture. I'm your host, Jared. And I'm Edwina. And we are still doing a Once More With Feeling series on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Today we're doing Season 3, Episode 13, The, the Zeppo. This episode originally aired uh, January 26, 1999, oh, Australia Day. Written by David Weber and directed by James Whitmore Jr., Ah, this is a full spoiler podcast. I'm a huge fan, but Jared has never watched the series all the way through, and I'm trying to convince him it's worth his time. I need a vacation. (laughs) Still trying to convince me. Oh, this episode wasn't too bad, actually. Uh, One of these uh, uh, comedy episodes featuring Xander. Yeah. So very similar to, what was was the one with him? Bewitched, Bothered and Bewildered. Yeah, yeah, very similar to that. Yeah, so this is very Xander-centric. But that same tone as that other one, that uh, the the bewitched, bewildered, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Si- that similar tone, which um, I think was your one of your favorite episodes. Yeah, in yeah, and I, th- two. I think this is one of my favorites too. Actually, I uh, enjoyed this one. Yeah, very much. Uh yeah, and like um, once upon a time, yeah, I would have said this is definitely up there as one of my favorite episodes. Um, but yeah, probably when the season aired, I was just like, wow, this that's a really good episode. Yeah. Hmm. The B plot. Yeah, the B it's, plot it's episode. Turning, it's turning the B plot into the A plot, something we've talked about quite a bit. Yeah. It's it's what if we, fo- you know, like in last episode, what if we followed Kralik while he was <laughs> doing the, putting yeah. together that room of Polaroids? Yeah, or yeah, exactly. Yeah. What if, like last episode, you know, they sent, you know, Faith on a, you know, Faith just went walkabout so that they didn't have to pay her for the episode. Yeah, yeah. And what, what if we followed her on her walkabout? Mm, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, very similar to the uh, Doctor Who episode. Well, this, Blink is what made yeah, me think of as um, well. Well, this was definitely uh, like uh, Russell T. Davis has said that this was this episode was. He what, was a showrunner of Doctor Who. That, yeah, that time, yeah. yeah. Uh, this is what influenced him to do. Like the Doctor Light episodes, yeah, which often they did when one of the actors had other um, commitments on commitments, yeah. or if they needed to film two episodes at the same time. So think like Turn Left and Midnight, mm-hmm. which oh, one, yeah. Yeah. one stars mostly um, David Tennant and the other stars mostly Catherine Catherine Tate. Yeah, um, you know both great. Great episodes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Blink is definitely one of the best episodes of Doctor Who of all time. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, even though the Doctor's hardly in it. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't need to be in it, but you get the idea. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah it's done really well. Yeah. yeah. Um, but maybe you should do that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Get the, get the synopsis out of the way. Let's do that. Way. Yeah. Summary out of the way. This episode begins with Xander helping out the gang with another demon vanquishing, but Buffy worries about his safety and asks him to stay out of the fight, upsetting him. When a student throws him a football, Xander drops it onto Jack O'Toole's lunch, resulting in Jack threatening to beat him up. Cordelia, having witnessed the event, tells Xander that he is useless and extenuous since all his friends are slayers, werewolves, witches and watchers, while he is nothing. Meanwhile, Giles informs Buffy that the end of the world is near. The Sisterhood of G, a group of fierce demons, is planning to reopen the Hellmouth. Xander gets himself a car in a hope that it will make him useful and cool, but accidentally re-ends Jack, who was sitting in a parked car. Jack threatens Xander with a knife, but when a cop shows up, Xander covers for Jack and gains his respect. They go to get the rest of Jack's friends who, being dead, need to be raised from the graves. Buffy, Willow and Giles are researching in the library, 
Giles leaves the contacts and spirits and hopefully get their help with stopping the sisterhood. Xana takes Jack and his group of friends off to get supplies. He spots Willow leaving the magic shop and tries to talk to her. She tells him that she loves him before hurrying up to help Buffy. When Jack and his friends try to initiate Xander into their group, he flees. He rescues Faith for the member of the sisterhood by hitting her with his car. Then they go to Faith's hotel room where she sleeps with him. <laughs> she doesn't sleep with him. She fucks his brains out. <laughs> Afterwards, she kicks him out, clothes in hand. Meanwhile, back at the library, Willow and Giles struggle to get Oz, in werewolf form, away from the Hellmouth. They sedate him and lock him up in the basement. Xander realises that Jack and his group have built a bomb. He seeks help from Buffy, but she is too busy having an emotional encounter with Angel. On his way to see Giles to warn him, Xander sees Jack's zombie group and drags one of them with his car until he confesses the location of the bomb. Xander finds a bomb in the school basement and vanquishes three of Jack's zombie minions, but Jack shows up and they fight. Xander positions himself between Jack and the exit door so that Jack has no hope of escaping before the bomb explodes. Jack defuses the bomb with seconds to spare and turns to leave, swearing revenge. Always stops at one. Always stops at one. <laughs> he opens the door, releasing Oz, who immediately attacks and eats him. Meanwhile, at the library, Buffy, Angel, Faith, Giles and Willow fight off a giant multi-headed monster and the members of the Sisterhood before successfully closing the Hellmouth. The next day, the bruised Buffy, Willow, Giles and Oz sit at a table discussing how they saved the world from destruction. Xander, knowing little of the battle and vice versa, comes by to chat with them. After a few seconds of talking, Xander decides to keep his harrowing long night adventure to himself. Very unlike Xander. Yeah. <laughs> As he walks away, Cordelia once again taunts him for being left out of the group, but Xander merely smiles and walks away, quite secure and confident of his own place in the world and realising that with or without Buffy, he can survive on his own. The end. So back to saying the Buffy Light episode. Yeah, but, you know, Xander-centric. It's kind of his coming-of-age episode. Loses you know. his virginity? Is that, yeah. is that official? Yep, yep. Uh, I do have to say something really funny about that scene. When we're, when we're watching it, Jared's reaction was, is this real? Is that actually really happening? Yeah, is this or really is happening? this a dream? <laughs> yeah, I, I, was, I was caught off guard. Like I just uh, sort of just came out of nowhere. Uh, just to add to his shenanigans that night uh, that he was having and then he slept with Faith. I'm like, oh, hang on, this is going to be like a weird thing because all, all the times he's had the opportunity to uh, be with a woman, it's gone horribly wrong yes. in the worst way, usually involving uh, trying to kill him or sacrifice him um, in some sort of way. Funnily enough, um, I will come back to okay. <laughs> that in another episode. <laughs> yeah. So the fact that he just had sex with Faith, I mean, Wow. Yeah. Um. And it just completely come out of nowhere. Yeah. And yeah. so I was like, oh, hang on, just like a dream sequence. Is she really one of those witches? I was waiting for her to, to quickly turn her head and go, <laughs> ah, you know, I'm, I'm actually a witch. So uh, yeah, it was a little hard accepting. That's why. The, that's why the check with you is this. Is this really happening? Are we? Are we doing this? Yeah. yeah. And then so. you're like, or oh, is this one of those episodes where they're just gonna say at the end it was all a dream? Or it was yeah. <laughs> and no, no, it was actually his sort of. Coming of age, trying to find his place in the like in the world, pretty much, and um, with all these, you know, it's it is also weird that all of a sudden Buffy's like, I don't want to include like 
you need to stay yeah, safe. Yeah, yeah. Like that, now that they're suddenly worried about that, I mean, he's sort of held his own. Season three, he's kind of held his own for the like. Yeah, and, and actually multiple been, apocalypses. Yeah, and being you know, pretty helpful as well. You know, and yeah. saved the day a few times. So yeah, uh, it, it's it is a little odd that all of a sudden she's. Yeah. Oh no! You need to. Everyone's like, no, no. You you have to. You better stay out of this one. Yeah. Well, but we need the episode to happen. <laughs> yes. Um. But it is funny seeing him go get the donuts. That's the. The donut guy. Yeah. Yeah. Because they've always got donuts and things, but who goes and gets that stuff? Well, now we know. <laughs> yeah. Um. I'll go back to talking about the this this episode's probably besides you know the musical episode. Uh, this is probably one of the most influential episodes, I think, of Buffy. Right. Uh, in, in general, in TV, you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Well, we mentioned how RTD, like it's, it's actual Russell pop- T. Davis from uh, yeah, Doctor Who yeah. re- but referred it, to it. You know, it's, it's um, value to pop culture or its place in pop culture, I'd say, is quite high. Like, um, so Joss Whedon is at- has actually said that um, Agents of Shield is meant to be a t- it was a TV series based around the concept of the Zeppo. Yeah, I, I was reading about that, and it's it is similar because they're like the B side of the main of the movies, aren't they? Yes. So they're, so, they're so the subplot them, of the movies. Yeah. So you see them cleaning up. I think it does change. They they do progress from that, don't they? They sort yeah, of yeah. It do does the, change later, like. The first two seasons are very much that yeah. sort of... Yeah, yeah. so you, you have them cleaning up after Thor. Like, you see them cleaning up after Thor, the Dark World. Um, they also Even the Avengers as well, I think, aren't they doing? The sort of bit of cleaning up, the first Avengers movie? Yes. Yeah. Um, there's episodes, yeah, around um, artifacts and stuff left behind by, um, yeah, the first Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. Um you're following the agents that you see in those movies yep. as well. Um, His first name is Agent. <laughs> Agent Coulson. Yes. yes. Um, and I'm trying to think. I think Sif from Thor. Oh, yeah. She appears in an episode, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah, yeah. So... The um, B-plot with the B-plots. <laughs> well, funnily enough, they, they don't really do a Zeppo episode, but they do that thing, you know, where you do the different points of views. Yeah. Um, which is also very popular and I think kind of also a little bit based on this concept and probably good when you have a really large cast of people. Yeah. Um, where you do like the same event done from different points of view. Mm-hmm. Um, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, have definitely done that and lots of other sci-fi shows mm. have done that. Yeah. Um, I think Rick and Morty also. I was just thinking that maybe the Snake episode. Yeah. We're concentrated on the snakes for a good chunk of that episode. Yes, yes. Um, Rick and Morty have done it. Um, well, they like to do it as a funny joke. And as you said, like, imagine if we had have followed Angel setting up all of that stuff in um, the episode with when Miss Calendar dies. Mm. Um, if you had, have had he, like, seen him setting up all the stuff for, for Giles to come across and threading the fish together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Going out and buying the roses and mm, yeah. <laughs> like all the setup for that. Maybe just stolen from the graveyard. <laughs> he was a bad boy. Yeah. Um I suppose you could say it um or oh, another show was probably heavily influenced by the episode. 
uh, Lost. Yes. Remember that episode with Nikki and Pablo? <laughs> well, was that was that the uh, pa- Paul Lies? No? Uh, Pablo Lies, yeah. Yeah, yeah Paul, Paralyzed. <laughs> yeah, that, she's actually paralyzed. Yeah, yes. Paul Lies. <laughs> Instead of Pablo Lies. Yeah. She, yeah it was, she was trying to say paralyzed. Yeah, and they buried her alive. Yep, yep. Um, Spoiler. Um, what was it? Ex- Expose, I think, is the name of the episode. Um, also, uh, the magicians um, did a very similar episode called Six Short Stories About Magic and The Magicians is a show that is incredibly heavily influenced by Buffy and I recommend it to anyone that's watched Buffy. No, uh, yeah, I haven't seen go, that one. Go I watch The Magicians. I've seen you watching it but you haven't been paying attention. <laughs> go watch Another The Another podcast maybe I'll have to do. Yay. Uh, it's an amazing show um, and yeah, there's lots of Buffy influences. They even talk about Buffy in it. Um, love it. Um, so where the actual idea for the episode came from was Tom Stoppard's 1976 existentialist play called Rosencrantz and Guildenstein, uh, which follows the actions of two minor characters from William Shakespeare's Hamlet. Oh, I was reading about that. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, the, the, the B, again, yeah, the B plots. Yeah. 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 Um... First, I need to ask, Jared, have you seen this episode? Yeah, I had seen this episode. Yeah, just not the whole whole of it, or uh, I the most of it to get the gist of it. Like I remember seeing the uh, Abraham from uh, The Walking Dead oh, at the start. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I knew it was him that was going to come out. I do remember seeing him. I just remember that guy. Um, so I sort of remembered the gist of it, and I kind of remember uh, Buffy and and the gang like fighting something, and you couldn't see it. Mm. It was kind of in the background, and, and the episode wasn't fo- focusing on it. So I got yeah. the I got the idea very quickly of uh, of uh, what they were doing. So okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the episode is called the Zeppo. Do you know what that means? Yeah, the Zeppo. So I had to do some research into Zeppo because I didn't know what they were talking about. I was thinking maybe is it something to do with the Zeppo lighter? Maybe <laughs> that's a Zippo, <laughs> which is a Zippo. <laughs> Nothing to do with that. The fourth brother of the Marx brothers was Zeppo. Okay. Zeppo Marx. So the straight man. The straight man, which is not really Xander's character. He's not really the straight man because he's kind of the goofy guy. Yeah. Uh, but he I think does. They, I think they should have just stuck with the Jimmy Olsen comparison metaphor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely the Jimmy Olsen was probably. Although I think he is a hopeless romantic as well. Uh, okay. So that I think he has that in common with Seppo Marx. So I watched a few Marx brother episodes involving him. So he was a lesser known of the brothers. Um, uh, yeah, always in the background or out of shot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was the last surviving one too. He uh, he passed away in, in the late seventies, and uh, it was in his also in his late seventies. Um, yeah. yeah. So, th- so this it, to me, this always seems like a very weird thing for Cord. It's Cordelia that brings it up that his she the brings Zeppo. up Zeppo. I'm just like, how does she know so much? Well, it might be more like of an American thing. She's an yeah, but she's an 18 year old yeah. girl. It doesn't really seem like her thing to be into the Marx Brothers. Yeah, yeah. I I know very little. I know Groucho and Harpo Marx. Uh, there was Chico. Yeah, um, and the fa- 
Yeah, and the, the fake moustache that he has. And it it kind of looks awful, actually, when you watch it. You can just tell it's painted on. Yeah. But it, it's, it's become iconic. You know, there's the glasses with the moustache and eyebrows that you can always buy in those joke, joke shops and still to this day, you know. Uh, it's still, you know, people remember it. And uh, I think he hosted Press Your Luck game show okay. for a bit as well. Um, the, the comic uh, cigar thing was also yeah, his, yeah, his yeah. thing. Yeah, so he's always, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just didn't think Cordelia would be. But then again, we have learnt that Cordelia is perhaps a bit smarter than she makes out. Yeah. That she actually is. And she was quite nasty to Xander too, wasn't she? She's still pretty bitter. Yeah. Well, you have to remember they've always been nasty to to each other. It's even during their relationship, they were pretty nasty to each other. Yeah, but she just walks up and just completely tears him down, you know, after he's been picked on, you know, just to, you know, kick him while he's down. Yeah, true. But then again, he did cheat on her. <laughs> I'd rather so. not talk about it, okay? Hmm. Well, she did, you know, and like you can kind of understand where she's coming from. Yeah, but like when you've like been al- almost dead, you know, you just got to kiss someone, haven't you? You've almost been bludgeoned to death. Oh, I really got to kiss a girl. That'll make I don't know. Better. Like there was the fact that he A, he cheated on her. Then he was like was constantly making inappropriate comments to Faith in front of um, Cordelia. Yeah. And to Buffy as well. Like, mm. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, it's funny when you watch those scenes and you, you see the expression on her face and she's just scolding the whole time when he's uh, being very inappropriate. Yeah. Um, there is another thing that she says during that conversation and it's that uh, – O'Toole would macrame your face. <laughs> Do you know what macrame is? I have Jared? no idea what that is. So macrame is like a crafting thing where you use ropes or string to like that you tie knots into. <laughs> right, okay, yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was a really odd thing to Yeah, I thought it was some sort of uh cake or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like this oh, it's not it's done with ropes as well, I think. That's probably right, a better okay. better thing to is it kind of like something done on a drum or something like that? Yeah, sometimes. No, it's not really done on a drum, but it's normally used for like wall hangings or like they make baskets type things that things sit in and that okay. sort of stuff. It's like decorative hanging stuff. All right. <laughs> yes. Sick burner. <laughs> no, but just think about that image because she does say he'll macrame your face. So does that mean tear it into strips and then tie it into tiny little knots? Yeah, um, I guess she doesn't it's like kinda, it. It's kind of gross yeah. when you think about it. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about the cast. As you said, uh, Abraham is in this. That's not his name, though. I know it's not his name. <laughs> but it's Abraham from The Walking Dead. You yeah. Know, the Walking Dead, which is about zombies, and in this he's a zombie. He's a zombie, yeah. Although he doesn't turn into a zombie in The Walking Dead, does he? No. No, no. Um, no he could just head pounded Yeah, no, in. Negan kills him. Michael Lucille. Kuditz. Kuditz. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and yeah, Jack O'Toole. When did we we've seen him before? Haven't we? No, we haven't never seen him before. No. Oh, okay. He just looks so familiar. I think he was a bit of an it boy in the early nineties. He was in quite a few those teen boy movies. Oh, uh, yeah. Just looking at his uh, oh NCIS. I mean CSI. I think I remember him being in that. Maybe or something. Biodome. I don't remember that one. 
I think it's like uh, Boogie like, Nights. Uh, yeah. I think I do remember him in Boogie Nights. Yeah. Oh, I do remember him in Boogie Nights. It's, he's the guy who beats up Mark Wahlberg in the car yeah, when yeah. he's try, trying to um, have sex with him or something. Yeah, mm. and, he, and then his friends jump out and they, yeah. I think that's it. Why do I remember that scene? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The Jack O'Toole character is pretty much the epitome of toxic masculinity, you know. Yeah, that bully sort of Dosh. It sort of uh um blackmails you into hanging out with him. Like, yes, yes. I'll hang out with you. If if you don't let me hang out with you, I'm gonna bash you. Yes, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then like if you see the like if you actually look at all the all the guys that he brings back. They've all died. Like, so you, you see that Bob's been shot in the head because he tried to rob a, like, he tried to rob a, um, a gas station. Yeah. <laughs> so these, so these guys that they've brought back, uh, they're not good guys. No, to begin no. With. And he got shot by his dad or something. Did he say? No, or? no, no. He got shot by the Armenian behind the counter at the gas and go. I think he said. Oh, no. But the Jack O'Toole guy who. How did he get shot? Uh, Drive-by. Oh, drive-by. <laughs> that was a very 90s thing, yeah, the drive-bys. Um, but um, and but then there's the other guy. I can't remember his name. I think it's Peter or, or Parker or something like that. Peter Parker. <laughs> um, and he's like half burnt and yeah. he's the one who's constantly like, I want to bake a cake. <laughs> yeah. I want to bake a cake. I oh, wasn't that code for making, making a bomb. Making a bomb. Oh, right. So it's quite, oh, okay. so it's quite he blew himself off. <laughs> that he's blown, like his half his body's like burnt. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure he's he was blown up mm-hmm. at some point. Yeah. Um good guys, huh? Yeah, these were some these were some quality guys. Getting the gang back. Yeah, getting the gang back together. It actually reminds me of a story about um John Barrymore. Uh, yep. Do you know who John Barrymore is? Is that the guy from... That's Drew Barrymore's grandfather. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, yep. so the Barrymores were quite uh, quite a famous family, the grandparents were anyway, in uh, the early 30s and maybe stage actors as well. And John Barrymore was known for being a bit of a ladies' man, a bit of a playboy, a bit of a Hugh Hefner, I think. Um, and when he died, um, he was friends with like Mickey Rooney and Errol Flynn or something like that, I think. And they broke into the morgue and stole his body. Oh, God. And broke into someone's house. Actually, maybe it was Errol Flynn's house they broke into and set him up on a deck chair by the pool and like... Like Weekend at Bernie's. Like we did a Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so that that apparently happened. Okay. Mm. At a party in his honour, so... <laughs> Very gross. Mm. Um... Should I ask, uh, what rabbit hole did you go down this week? Um, not really much of a rabbit hole. Um, was looking up the car, the 57 Chev. I think I mentioned to you the second I saw it, I've gone, oh, that's a 57 Chev. Yeah, you did actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was the Bel Air one. Yep, yeah, and, and why did you mention, how did you know what type of car I, it was? I loved that car as a kid. I had a few die-cast models of it, like, you know, proper big ones. Um, I don't know. There's just something really appealing about that car. Uh and looking up, surprisingly, you can get them really cheap. I would have thought like something like that would cost like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, I mean, these days were American websites. I don't know what they would cost in Australia, but in America, they were you know the most I saw for some were like eighty thousand, and get some for thirty thousand even. You know, 
I think they were pretty popular, so there's probably a lot out there. Um, so that there weren't that even the immaculate condition ones seemed to be reasonably priced. So the version they had was the Bel Air convertible, which is a two door version. <laughs> it's surprising how many different versions I had of the same car. Like now, when you have like a Ford something Falcon, there's just the one version. Yeah, you know they had you know, the coupe, the, the Bel Air, the soft top, the convertible. There's a wagon, um, the sedan version. Um, so yeah, the good old. Uh, Good old Chev, 57 Chev. Uh, is an is a iconic uh, muscle car of uh, America of the 50s and yeah. probably the first like mass product production car after the Second World War II, I think, and yeah, very popular at the time. Um, so there was that. I, I was actually looking up a bit of Nerf Herder. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I never really uh, listened to them. Like, what else have they got? Like, did they ever oh, do anything yeah, else? No, no they, I remember they had um, probably their big hit was the song Courtney Love. Oh, I didn't see that one. Oh, okay. No. Yeah, one... I remember that being played on the radio. Uh, okay. Uh, the one I found, I found a few. They did a song in basketball. Ah, uh, yes, yes. I I don't remember the song playing in the movie at all, and I know that pretty mo- that movie pretty well, so I couldn't think uh, I couldn't find that one. Um, they made one called uh, Doctor Who. Yep. Oh, you know that one, do you? Yeah. Uh, Sorry, they all like a lot of their stuff is on my Spotify list. Oh, I see, you know that one. <laughs> um, I think the only other song that gets used in the um, is Mr. Spock. I think the song's called. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I've, yeah, I've that's, they, to that one. they play that in. It's in season seven. Um, they play the bronze. <laughs> mm. uh, so yeah, and Supergrass. Remember them? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah cause they do play a Supergrass song in this, in this episode as well. Ah, okay. Um, I'm getting in trouble for playing these, by the way, <laughs> or YouTube anyway. <laughs> um, Don't you have to talk over the top of them? Yeah. To that, stop that? Oh, uh, no, that doesn't work. Doesn't work? <laughs> they still, naughty, naughty, naughty. You're not allowed to do that. Uh, well, it's just YouTuber cracks that really, if anything. But uh, and it's, only, it's not like you monetize it anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then um, Local H. Now, maybe this is a band you haven't heard of. No, I haven't. Uh, so Local H, they were sort of that post-grunge type of band. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're probably the most famous song. But you've probably heard this one. Yeah, yeah you remember I, this? I do know yeah, this song. Yeah, yeah, remember this one. Yeah. Just don't get it, so you keep it separated. Yeah, probably going to get it stuck in your head. Yeah. Pretty cool band, but there's actually another song of theirs that I, I uh, really liked. Uh, Eddie Vedder, the song's called. Now I'm just going to skip to a certain part. Remember, you ever heard this song? I think I need to. Yeah, the song's called Eddie Vedder. It kind of sounds like Eddie Vedder, to be honest. Yeah, sound familiar now? Yeah. 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 Potentially, uh, just, it's just sounding like every other band, <laughs> like a, every other post-grunge band. Yeah. Uh, so just reading about these guys, they were, they were a four-piece, but then they're... 
the other guys left, so they just continued on with a two-piece. So they were the original two-piece band, <laughs> just a guitarist and a drummer. Um, oh, before White Stripes. Before White Stripes, yes. Oh. Um, and it seems like they got screwed over by the record label. Oh, like so like many, so many bands. So many they bands. released their first album. It wasn't very popular. Then the second album, which did a lot better, which was had those two songs in it. Yeah, the third album. I think the the record label got taken over by Universal, and they were more interested in looking after to their cash cow, who was U two. Oh. And uh, yeah, got shuffled at the back. So, but they're still making music. He's still around, but yeah, yeah, underrated band, I reckon. Well, for the time, I don't know if you want to go rediscover them, but uh, I was just listening to them a bit today. Yeah, so uh, yeah, local H. So that was um, that was uh, my little trip down memory lane, I guess. A little nostalgic trip for me. Um, but go check them out. They're pretty cool. Okay. Question time. Yep. Question time. Now what's that? <laughs> okay, Jared, are you ready? Which yeah, I'm ready. All right. Hit me. Which character was your favourite? Oh, I guess Xander has to be, yeah. Yeah, there's not too many episodes where I say Xander's my favourite character, but, you know, he was pretty centric to this, and this is the Xander I like to see. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Bit more fun. Yeah. So this is the Xander I like seeing. It's It's... The other Xander, the, the one that I want to tell to shut the fuck up that I don't like seeing. Language. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Which character do you love to hate? Guess Jack. Yeah, it's got to be, yeah. be Mr. O'Toole. Mr. O'Toole. This is very tall. Mr. Yeah. Like Jack O'Toole. You can't get a better name for that, for that toxic sort of char- yeah. character, that bully Goes around. He dosh. Hmm. Starting fights. Yep. Um, what was the most memorable fight scene? I guess the one that ensued after the car accident and uh, Jack's threatening Xander. Yeah, it was pretty... Yeah. Pretty bad, yeah. He was trying to get out of it somehow, but everything he was saying was making it worse. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um. I don't know, there's something also a little bit sexual about him saying, where do you want me to put it? <laughs> <laughs> Back in your pocket. <laughs> um, I I actually think the fight scene at the start is probably the most memorable yeah, yeah. of this episode. Um, and Faith being all like, those girls were wicked rowdy. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. Um. LOL moment. So that scene where Xander's uh, interrogating the zombie and he's dragging him by the car. Yeah. <laughs> As he gets the information, he knocks his head off. Yeah, and then he, he talks that little bit too long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, mine actually has to be, because this episode is very meta and you walk in, like you see this scene with Angel and Buffy and they're getting right into this melodrama. Like they've, you know, they've got the Buffy Angel music playing. Yeah. Like the melodrama is dialed up to 12. They're talking really, they're really close to each other and and, and pouring out their feelings. And it's like almost a record scratch <laughs> as uh, Xander walks in. Hey guys, you can, oh. <coughs> oh, I think mm. I've walked in and yeah, mm. I'm just going to go now. <laughs> Correct. Um, so what was your favourite scene, Jared? 
Faith and Xander getting it on, I think, was my favourite scene. <laughs> uh, yeah, she she got really into that, didn't she? It's like, oh, you know, fighting, fighting witches really gets me hot. <laughs> no, no, it was the fact that she didn't get the get the kill. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. After you, she dislike. There's something about that dislocating um scene where she's just like, "Hold me." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I'm going kind to of take pops. a shower. <laughs> and kind of pops her, her shoulder Pop, back in. Pops her in, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, mine has to be the scene with um, probably Xander and Oz in the cafeteria. And he does that whole speech about the, the essence of cool, like where he's sitting there going, it's just that it's bugging me, this cool thing. I mean, what is it? How do you get it? Who doesn't have it and who decides who doesn't have it? What is the essence of cool? And Oz is just like, not sure. Xander's like, I mean, you yourself, Oz, are considered more or less cool. Why is that? Oz is like, uh, am I? <laughs> mm-hmm. Is it? Is it about the talking, you know, the way you tend to express yourself in short, non-committal phrases? Could be, <laughs> replies Why Oz. Not? There's actually something kind of cool about that. Yeah. <laughs> that scene. Yeah. Just uh, trying to dissect the coolness of uh Well, it's a fair question. Oz. What yeah. makes something cool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I suppose, do, do people even use the word cool anymore? Getting a little existential? Yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. I don't think people... Do people use the word cool anymore, Jared? I, I don't know. I use it, so is that... No. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not cool. Yeah. Oh, I've ne- never been cool, never played well with cool people. Um, you think I'm funny, huh? You think I'm funny? Okay, uh, least favourite scene? Uh, I guess the the scenes with the girl, with the oh, that random the, girl yeah, that he meets. Yeah. It's just a little... Uh, the blonde girl yeah. that's more interested in his car. Yeah. Yeah, that, that scene at the bronze hmm. where he's looking incredibly bored. Yeah, yeah, and trying to get Angel involved in it, and uh, yeah, where pres- all, where all of a sudden he's like, Angel, buddy, Angel. <laughs> it's like, and considering how much he's gone on about how much he hates Angel. Yeah, 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 and uh, yeah, and all she was talking about cars, like just feign an interest, Jesus. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah, I probably would go with that. Um. Yeah, when he hits the car driving out of the bronze. Yeah. Um, and Jack O'Toole, and it's just like, oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of those scenes. Yeah, that whole scene, I, I'm not a big fan of. Uh, favourite quote. There's a lot of good quotes in this episode. Kind of like LOL scenes. It was hard to pick. Well, actually, it's from that scene that you don't like. Uh, <laughs> uh, where Xander's like, hey, great knife. Although um, I'm technically maybe a sword. And he replies, she's called Katie. Oh, you gave her a girl's name. How very serial killer of you. <laughs> yeah. It's like meeting the man of his dreams. Then meeting his beautiful knife. <laughs> why, do, why do... Like thinking of the walk, the Walking Dead before and he has Lucille, his bat covered in barbed wire. Yeah. You've got to give your deadly weapon a female name. Yeah. I like Willow in the... After the fight scene at the start, 
and Buffy's like, are you okay, Willow? And she's like, yeah, I'm fine. The shaking is a side effect of the fear. Mm. <laughs> um, best Cordelia freakout moment. So that conflict she has with Xander and, he, and she calls him out, oh, look, it's, it's Mr. Cool. On another life or death donut mission or are we just cruising for bimbos again, giving them lessons of lessons in lack of cool? It wasn't really a freak out moment, I guess, but uh, yeah, she was pretty nasty in that scene. Yeah. But maybe the final scene, actually, she probably freaks out the most now I'm thinking about it. Yeah, but it was that thing where... Where he just walks away from her and doesn't answer her back. Yeah. Which makes he her freak does, out. Yeah, so because generally their their relationship does revolve a lot around that quipping with each other. Or the like back that, and forth. The and back when and he doesn't, forth, yeah, nasty, just thinking nasty about it now, banter. Yeah, he doesn't feed into it yeah. with anything and that gives her nothing. Yeah. And that probably destroys her more than yeah. trying to uh, answer so back actually, to her. It actually made him look really cool. Yeah. Not answering. Just smiling and go, yep, okay. Whatever. Yep, see ya. Not not caring. Yeah, exactly. What she, what she has to say, I think, is the big thing. He stopped caring what her opinion was of him. Yeah. Because he knows better than that. He's grown now. Yes. He's not a virgin anymore. Yes. Because <laughs> that makes such a huge difference, doesn't it? Mm. Uh, yeah, mine was probably her doing the whole integral part of the group. Xander, you're the useless part of the group. You're the Zeppo. Cool, look it up. It's something that a subliterate that's repeated 12th grade three times has and you don't. And then as she's walking off, him looking pretty destroyed, she then says to herself, there was no part of that that wasn't fun. Cold. (laughs) So cold. Hmm. Uh, who gets the wooden spoon? I actually wrote down Cordelia, but I'm actually probably going to go with the Chev car girl. <laughs> Lisette, Thinking about Lisette or whatever. Lisette, yeah. Lisette. Go with her. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was going to go with her tool. Oh, but he brought four, three people back from the dead. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But then they all got destroyed pretty yeah. much a few hours later because they decided to do something really stupid. Yeah, fair stupid. enough. Yeah, well, yeah. Then he got eaten by a werewolf. Yeah. <laughs> Impeccable timing, that one. Yes. Yeah, and who, who's the MVP? That's Xander, who, yeah. The episode. Xander, yeah. Definitely yeah. Xander, because he finds out what the essence of cool is. Yeah, he <laughs> finds out and he... Uh, finds out who he is. He's mm. finally... He's a man now, he, too. Yeah, you know, he's happy with his... his you know, he's grown, he's... Found, you know, he sort of found himself a bit. He's confident in who he is. Hmm. Yeah, I had the same. So. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> in case I hadn't guessed. Yes. <laughs> and what do you rate the episode out of 10? Six. Mm-hmm. Uh, 57 Chevys. <laughs> I went eight out of 10 knives named Katie. I was thinking that. I had a feeling it seemed two on the nose, that one. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe run it around your neck instead. <laughs> yeah, is that everything you wanted to bring up? Uh, no, I, I think I'm done. I think that's uh, all I can bring to this episode. So, should we just, uh, yeah, let's just uh, get into it, Eddie. So, I hope you've enjoyed listening to us tonight. We are Nerd Subculture. My name is Jared. I'm Edwina. And you can find us on 
TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. There is a Facebook group and you can email us at nerdsubculture at gmail.com. And so I hope you are listening, uh, watching these episodes with us as I experience them for the first time. They're really cool. Give us some input. That is all from us. We'll catch you later. See you next time. Bye. Grr, arr.